that's the first time that said that recording in progress. Um, but we're still going to say it. Anyway, welcome to this Sharp, Sharp Dojo series. I am your host, Billy. As always, once a month, we we have a nominee from the Luke King Sharp uh, Sharp Dojo. And this time, this time, it's uh, this intro's gone terribly. Uh, <laughs> I'm joined by Nitro Green from Denmark. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. I don't know what's happened. It's the first time ever I've hit record and a little voice is wearing my headphones. We're now recording. Like, yeah, oh, I heard that, it. Yeah, that has knocked me yeah, off entirely. Well. So um, we'll, we'll recover. We'll be fine. We're all good. Right. So the first question I always ask everybody is, is the bog standard, boring question. How did you get into pro wrestling? What, what moment, what match got you hooked on pro wrestling? It, wrestling is such a niche in Denmark and not many people see it so I I had a good friend of mine he was like dude you gotta watch this I, I saw this clip on YouTube and it was Rey Mysterio versus John Cena on Smackdown Rey had this completely red outfit on and John was still doing his Dr. Thuconomics gimmick and I don't know what it was if it was the mask maybe clearly draw me into it but the athletics and the stunts, the maneuvers they did, I, I was just instantly hooked. I went home, I Googled everything I could find about wrestling, and then ever since, I, I've been hooked, completely hooked. So that would have been 2002 that match happened. So uh, what, what year kind of went, was around about that time? or I think I roughly, I, I, I must have been around 14. So maybe I saw it in 2012, yeah. 2012, I think I saw it. Wow, so that's like a that's pretty much all of Rey Mysterio's initial WWE career, and you've the first bit you see of his is his first match, his first night on the job. Um, mass wrestlers, that's just it's always it's just cool. I mean, Ray was at the time probably the only one in WWE that was that was masked, and yeah. nowadays you have like the Lucha House Party, and is that it right now? I, I think that's pretty much it. They just <laughs> released Kalisto, so but like. Back then, and many years forward, Ray has been a tremendous uh, inspiration I've, and one of my biggest idols. Over time, as I have started to develop a different kind of love for wrestling and no different styles, I still very much appreciate the Mexican lucha style, but I also know it's not a style that I can do that well. So even though that I'm still a huge fan of Ray and everyone who does Mexican style, I also now appreciate the more typical and more traditional style, which when you were a youngster, when you saw it, you were like, eh, everyone can do that. But now you see how much there more there is to it. Yeah, I suppose for some, some like maybe criticism for Lucha style is nothing happens. They never touch. They do yeah. all this kind of avoiding each other. But then when you grow up and appreciate, you go, oh, they're evading. They're they're doing all that kind of stuff. It's it's a, it's far more intricate than a, a fourteen year old, uh, for example, would would possibly think. So you've got a fascinating story about when you started wrestling, which I heard on the Curtie Hansen show, and we we're about to speak about it before I hit record. I was like, no, no. You got to tell it on the podcast because it's amazing. Um, so you started trading. Your parents weren't into it. Tell us the story. <laughs> well, it, it's it's kind of like a, 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 a not a sad, but it's a different story. Like my mom passed away when I was three years old, and my brother is born with a brain damage. So it was me, my brother, and then my father. And my dad has always like I have been like 
packed in bubble wrap because like I was the one who was supposed to to go to school get education get the right job and do everything by the book and um and and I did all that on the side but then once I saw this wrestling and I I, I googled and I saw that the dance pro wrestling was doing a training camp and I went to my dad I was like I gotta try this and I think instantly in my dad's mind he was like old ICW like barbed wire burning tables he was like no 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 you're not doing this uh i had a cousin uh, or have a cousin who's still do wrestling who also wanted to attend this camp so we tried it out and and it was good it was really good unfortunately like every rookie who has to do a suplex for the first time like i over rotated and landed straight on my tailbone i came home and my dad was like, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. No more. You, you're not, as long as you live in my household, you're not going to wrestle. And at this, at that point, I, I must have been like 16. And I was like, okay, so I, at bare minimum, have a year and a half, maybe two years where I'm going to live in his household. His rules, I got to obey by it. Time goes by. And as I get close to 18, the promoter of, of, of BPW, he reached out. He's like, you're getting older now. Like, don't you want to train? Like, don't you miss it? I was like, yeah, I, I can train. Like, I don't have to attend shows. At least I can train. My dad doesn't need to know. So I trained and I trained and I trained. And then eventually he came up like, yeah, um, we have this weekend tour. You're going to do Copenhagen, a different town up north in Denmark. And then we're going to do on a Sunday. So that's a three-day tour. And I was like, no, 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 we, we, we can't do that. Like, my dad cannot know I'm training. Like, right now, I'm telling my father that every Sunday, I'm spending time with my girlfriend at the time because, like, no one could know. But he's like, oh, this is good. We have a full jumpsuit for you. We can cover it. It's completely green. No one will know. And then we, we, uh, we found the, the Nitro Green name just because it had to be so far away from what my real name is, like, Every wrestler in Denmark has something that kind of ties into what their real name is. We found completely different for me. Uh, and then, like, we did this three-day tour and everything was good. And he was like, yeah, we're going to use you now. I was like, what am I going to say at home? And he was like, well, we're going to do the first match on every show. You're going to be a ref. That way, if your parents ask, there will be a picture of you as a ref and I was like so basically you you're you as an adult are asking me <laughs> to lie to my parents um and and I just wanted to wrestle but as I know now I started to drag more people into the lies because like now I needed people to cover for me I had my brother uh washing my my dirty wrestling gear because I couldn't bring the gear into my house uh, I had my girlfriend cover for me, my cousin who also wrestled cover for me, which had his father, my uncle, to cover. So it just, it was too many lies and I couldn't keep track on it. And then eventually international bookings starting to knocking on the door and I really wanted to take those bookings, but how was I supposed to explain to my to my dad that I'm going to Finland for a weekend? So eventually I had to come clean and I just had to be like, so I've been doing this for close to two years now. And they were like, we already knew. We just <laughs> waited for you to tell. And it's not like we're mad. 
we're just disappointed. And that was even worse. I was like, ah. Uh. So yeah, it was it's it's a very different story, but but now they know, I don't think they'll ever like enjoy it and like be yay, he's doing something. But I think to a certain extent, as long as we don't lie about it, I think they're proud of seeing what I have been able to see in the world and still from a very young age been blessed enough to come around. So is it I mean two years is quite a streak to keep that uh, well what you think is a secret uh, for yeah. two years. Uh, is there any, any moments that maybe you go back and think about after they revealed they actually knew they were just disappointed in you and you think I wasn't as as covert, I wasn't as as uh, slick uh, hiding what I was doing in that moment. Is there anything <laughs> that you go back in time and think no they probably uh, knew at that point? I broke my finger once uh, where I came up like I came up to the emergency room and they were like, yeah, we're going to put a cast on you. I was like, no, 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 we can't do that. So you, you have to put like a, just a, something that I could take off every time I came home. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't that slick. Cause like I was eating in a very specific way. Cause you don't really think about it, but when you like, you use your thumb to a lot until you can't use it. Then you realize I really use it a lot. You never think about it. And then I, I think one point I got a, a, like a very bruised eye like like a black eye and then dumb as I was I was like yeah I was drunk and then I stumbled into a door that was my bad excuse of a lie so, and you know you, they know like because why I'm I, like I started I just attended the events in my hometown but suddenly I was going all over Denmark to be a ref like it just it just didn't add up and i can see now obviously if i've just come clean and say this is what i want to do why not they will probably have been cool with it but yeah not as slick as i as i probably could have been as, as your dad ever seen you wrestle or is it something that he's just like like you do it be safe but i don't want to ever see it i think he's uh after that training camp, they had like a small, uh, a small, like not a charity show, but you know, for everyone who, who participated in the camp. And since I was hurt, but still went through the camp, I, I got to be in the battle royale that where they put all the ones who wasn't quote unquote good enough to have a singles match. And my dad saw that that's the only time he's actually seen me wrestle. And <laughs> dumb as I was, cause I couldn't bump, but I want to do something. I had all the big guys pull me in the corner and then chop me and then throw me out. But my dad is just watching his like 16 year old son getting manhandled by five or six huge professional wrestlers and then thrown over the top rope. And like I had like blood springs on my chest. I was, I looked like I had been thrown into hot water. I was like completely red. And ever since that, I think his dad, my dad was just like, nope, this is not for me. That's, that's just plenty. But um, when, when you're saying like, uh, of course, your brother um, has brain damage, I, I kind of, I can get that. I think I know what you mean by like the bubble wrap thing, because uh, my brother is two years younger than me, but he's got autism and, and learned disabilities. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he's just joined himself is great, but he's not expected to to do things like go to school and, and go to college and, and do all that kind of thing. Fortunately, I've done neither of those things. I stopped at high school and just uh, 
that's it. <laughs> so, well, just well, as my dad told me, like you only have one back, you only have one hips, you only have a set of knees, like, and those have to last your lifetime. Mm. And you don't hear about the stories about how a professional wrestler successfully has a great career and then everything's good. You hear about the bad stories. You hear about how Sabu needs a hip displacure. You hear about how Foley lost a year in Germany. You don't hear about everyone who's like, yeah, I wrestled 30 years. I'm, I'm busted up, but I'm still good. You don't hear about that as a non-pro wrestling fan. You just hear about the horror stories. So that's my dad's approach to it. I the, the irony is that the only one I could think of on top of my head, a guy who's went through without getting injured at all is the Miz. And the big documentary came out about him and he was like, oh, I've never been injured. Never had to take time off. Came out a week later. Torn yeah, ACL. it's ACL, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like that he was he was the closest. He was the one you could have put a figurehead on as the safe wrestler. And even he's injured now. So uh, it's... It's a part. The most cliche thing you could ever say. It's not ballet. Like everything comes within, and I have had not necessarily big injuries, but I have broken fingers. I have broken a nose. Like it's, it's just a part of it. Uh, and you're still doing it, so it hasn't put you off in any no, animation form. Far, uh, so I was going through, like I go through cage match. This is my my way of of trying to to get. Just some talking points, some wrestlers you may face, ones I've heard of, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because outside of listening to things like Kurt Johansson's podcast or matches that Luke King Sharp's been in, I don't have a lot of knowledge about the Danish scene or Europe in general. Um, but some of the names are unbelievable. But we'll go right to your first actual match. So you're there in the mask, bodysuit. How hot was it? <laughs> I was sweating bullets hours before I even went out there. Like, cause I, like I changed, I think the show started at eight. I was fully geared, fully ready at six o'clock. Cause I was like, everything has to be perfect. And going out, you have the spotlights. You're not breathing correctly. Cause like you have to remember everything you got to do. So no, it was, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. It's, it's like almost paranoia. You're thinking, if I don't put my gear on now, my dad's going to come past somehow for some reason and he'll know I'm here. Uh, just make sure that you're ready well in time. Um, the other thing that, that, speaking to guys like like Lucha DS and uh, Talon Jr., those two mask guys I've spoken to, mm-hmm. mask wrestling is so much more difficult because your ears are covered, you've lost your peripheral vision. Did you find that starting as a mass wrestler actually helped your awareness as a wrestler in the ring? I think now, as I'm also now wrestling without a mask, um, it makes it so much more easier for me to connect with the crowd. Also because the first couple of masks that I had had completely shut eyes. There was like a filter in front of, and I only had a very little mouth piece like where I could, uh, where I could use the green mist from. So it, I had to be very uh, cinematic and had to be very big on my body language and my facial expressions. Even though you couldn't see them, you had to be able to feel there was something going on underneath the mask, which now where I wrestle without the mask, I still do the expressions because it's just become such a natural part of my wrestling. So I think that have helped me a lot. And I, I still, every time, like if I talk to guys who haven't wrestled and are very nervous about doing it, but they really want to do it, I'm always like, 
try a mask the first couple of times because like it it gives you this protection between you and the audience because like when you put this mask on it's the same with me now i do the paint because when i put the paint on it's like the guy behind the mask disappears and nitro green comes alive and nitro green can does it can do anything he's not afraid of the audience but as a new guy coming out without a mask and you have to do different situations where you normally wouldn't feel comfortable in i so i always recommend if you're very nervous about going out the first couple times a mask gimmick is not necessarily a bad thing and that and after you've had your match you take your mask off and you can just wander into the crowd and if you if you're going for your first match i've seen some wrestlers have some of their first matches and they look terrified. And then afterwards, there's people coming up to them and trying to speak to them. Whereas when you're in a mask, that's it. That Your 20 minutes is done. Masks yep. off. You can just walk away and nobody will know you're there. Um, which is great because I think I, I met Lucha DS at a show, but he didn't have his mask on. So for me, I knew what it looked like because Scottish, I, I know far too much about Scottish wrestling anyway. But just a random guy coming with, how you doing? Glad you enjoyed the show and then left. I was like, going, Oh, that's who it is. That's who <laughs> yeah. it is. We just had to take a minute. Um, so you, you've changed the mask a bit then, got you can actually see. Uh, I noticed before we actually tried to spoil anything, but you wear glasses. It, is that are you a contact lens wearer during the match, or is your eyesight not so bad you can wrestle without glasses? I am truly without glasses or contact, I'm blind. So when I wrestle, I use contacts, I have to. And I have, and I have tried every bad scenario. Uh, I have had uh, my, I have lost contacts under a mask. Uh, and then you like, you halfway through the match, and you only have one contact, and you're like, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> so yeah, and I tried without. I could do it, but once again, wrestling is all about relaxing and being in the moment. And I am fully more relaxed when I have a decent eyesight. That, that would help, yeah. I've always, I mean, when I've done these mass jokes at the start of shows for mass wrestlers, I've always had from a glass to the top, I can't do contacts, I can't do anything with eyes. The, the, the sheer thought of it freaks me out. Yeah. So the fact that, that anyone can bump about with the, these tiny bits of uh, whatever it is in, on your eyeballs, just, oh. Uh, I, I really, I would really love to use... Uh... You know, Rey Mysterio used a lot of them, like the different contacts, you know, who makes the pupil smaller and the mm -hmm. colors in them. But since I am, like, I am really uh, short-sighted, the contacts that I would need and what the price for it, if I had to get them custom-made and everything. And I just know how many contacts I have messed up with my face paint and everything in between. So no, I, I, normal contacts, that's what I'm going with. But I would have loved to be able to, to add that to the character because that would have added another layer of uh, mystique to uh, to my character definitely that, that that's uh your that's your clause when you get your big money contract yeah uh, yeah pay for my contacts <laughs> so, yeah. um so yeah i was going through the matches this is how we spun off entirely from that point um one that brought caught my eye straight away was uh, of course in uh, 2016 which was a maximum rumble germany so it doesn't sound like a very big match, but the winner of the match was Doug Williams, um, who, of course, is a big, pretty big name in wrestling in general. Uh, was, did, was he, did he have a seminar that weekend? Were you able to interact with Doug at all? 
No, I, he didn't do a seminar, but I, I remember after that, uh, I came back because I, I, I got eliminated fairly quickly. I, I believe so. Uh, Al Snow, no, not Al Snow, what's his name? Um, Canadian guy, um, lives in Germany. Uh, Joey Legend. Joey Legend, that's the guy. Uh, he, just like him and Doug Williams, the way they, uh, they do slaps and the way they, they do strikes in general, because I've always been a very one, I always used my chest when I did the upper slap and just the small bits of pieces of advice on how you can, you can take the audience and they'd be like, oh yeah, I see what you're doing. Then they look for that certain spot and then you mix it up and they'd be like, oh wait, maybe this is actually something more to it. Uh, so I, I haven't, I have only actually attended a seminar with Doug Williams on the dojo here recently. But besides that, I, I had no, I think I was so nervous back then that I wouldn't even dare to come and ask him. It was just because I traveled with a guy who talked to them and then, then they were like, I sat next to him and he was like, I like what you're doing, but you should change it up a little bit. So, so now I would definitely go ask, like, did you see it? If, if, if you did, do you have anything, pointers? But once again, like you said, 13, like in 16? Yeah, yeah, I've got 16, yeah. Yeah, I had, I had just wrestled. I, cause I started, I had my debut in late 13, maybe 14. And then I traveled to the US for a year and then I came back. So I hadn't wrestled for that long. I was like wrestling in the US then. Cause that's a big, that's a big leap to take um, from being in, Denmark, which I mean, at the time, twenty thirteen wasn't well, wasn't a thriving scene. I mean, now now it seems to be, uh, or it's coming up. So, what made you decide to take the leap and, and travel to the US? Uh, I, I attended college. I wanted to take a year abroad, and then as I went over there, I I was like, this is great because now I can find a wrestling school. I went to Wisconsin, so I I went to the Midwest where there's so many good independent promotions not the big wwe names uh, but it's the independent scene is really thriving in in indiana illinois and wisconsin so i went to wisconsin and i found a good school and it was so funny because i was trained very snuck and very european like because we really like when you do it coastline in in europe uh, definitely in denmark like you you aim too, too close line you want to strike them down and I come to the to the states and my first time in a ring without me knowing I'm wrestling a ring of honor guy the uh, beer city bruiser he's like yeah you're trying out with me I'm like no and he's a huge guy and he's like you're good but you're way too snuck and too stiff I can't move you and like I didn't know any better back then. So for me, just to learn so much from how to actually work without trying to hurt you guy. <laughs> um, that, was, that was the main thing I learned from there. It's like you wanna be able to work every weekend, not a weekend a month. That was the best thing I learned over there. Um, just from, from memory, when I'm thinking about watching shows from, from Europe, um, it is it's it is very much a, a snugger style. Everything's kind of a bit more close quarters. Whereas 
you know, US is a bit more theatrical and they do the big flip, flip the do's and the big dives, but really they, you, they're not really going to be spending their time just, just knocking lumps out of each other, whereas here we're quite happy to do that. Well, plus in America, like you have WWE on national television like 10 hours a week, so they know what wrestling is and they, they have seen it on TV where in, in Europe and Denmark, where I have been most of my time, they don't know wrestling. So you, you can't just get away with doing something kind of what it looks like on TV where the audience in the States would be like, oh, we have seen this. Oh, this is fine. Where here, they don't know what to expect. So you have to hit it. So people be like, oh, yeah, that was real. Yeah, Without killing your, your opponent, obviously. Yeah, so so you, you've got to make the, I mean, you've got to make the crowd believe it, it's real anyway, but you've got like a little extra added bit of going they don't they don't know that if we do a, a wee nip up that you're supposed to cheer afterwards they want you to kick the guy in the head until they stop moving and you pin them mm-hmm. so it's a bit of a, a weird thing then um so you say that it's a bit more difficult to get a hold of things like wwe and, and just international wrestling in denmark um how have been have been keeping up to date with wwe stuff how how were you watching uh wrestling uh, well, cool. obviously now we can get the network, um, but back in the day, uh, there were Eurosport. Uh, that's a thing in in UK as well, right? I think it still is. You it definitely used to be back in when yeah. I was younger. I don't. I actually think it's not here anymore. But back in the days, like they had uh, what's going on this week in WWE. It was like an hour show where the first half hour was highlights from the WWE this week, and then the last half hour of the show was like Winchett's WWE matches where they went back in the days. I think they went back to the 90s and then forward. Uh, And that was pretty much what I saw every Monday from 9 to 10. I was hooked on that screen and I saw it. And then YouTube, that was what what our access to wrestling was. Uh, Other than Rey Mysterio, is there anyone else that kind of caught your eye uh, growing up or or even nowadays that Growing up, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Ray was my big, big thing, like my huge idols. Now, older, still very much in love with the Eddie Guerrero persona and the character that he he could portray. But overall, uh, my favorite wrestler now is Randy Orton, uh, just because I see how he has taken... He has, I, I'm sure he has a huge moveset, but he doesn't use it because he don't need to. But he has so many moves, uh, not moves, but just so many ways that he can move his face, move his body, how he sells to the crowd, how she sells to the camera. Like he can do one move and make it last for three minutes because just the way he does it, boom, looks to the crowd, looks to the hard cam, looks down, looks up again, get his money shot because he, he's so smart and he knows this is where everything goes on. He does the little smirk and then he goes down to headlock. As an audience, you'd be like, you, uh, I don't want to see this. And he knows I have the entire audience on TV, in the crowd, I have right where I want him. And he's, he's so smooth in the ring. You cannot... Fascinating, yeah. I mean, especially just Thunderdome era. 
I've, I've grown a new appreciation for Andy Orton because it, it is that you could if you I think I think his first match on TV uh, this is 2002 so around about the time where you the clips you were finding was yeah. um, until, until now but his first match with Bob Holly he was like doing the overdrive he was doing a cross body block as his finisher doing all of that and then as the years have went on it's less unless unless and I saw him in a match in Aberdeen so up in Scotland here yeah. um on a house show or a survivor series tour or whatever you want to call it and uh it was a six man tag with with uh he was part of the Wyatt family at that point and he literally tagged in the crowd went absolutely nuts for him he turned around and then tagged out yeah that was it I think other than RQ at the end that was all he did and he was the most like biggest reaction um, he didn't need to do more everything he had him right but as you said like he did all those fancy flips when he met bob holly in the first match but everybody does like it, it goes without saying and and i have heard it a million times sometimes i remember it sometimes i don't but less is truly more in wrestling and i think definitely under this pandemic uh, I, I recently saw the Broken Skull Ranch podcast with Randy Orton, and I think he just found a way, like under this pandemic, when they have worked without audience, really, truly, less is more because you you have to get everything out of the small things. Yeah, I mean, you hear about the the fabled uh, bump card. Yeah, if you if, 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 if fill up too early, then you nothing left. But I can't remember. I think it might have been a Big Show Sheamus match where, where apparently as soon as Sheamus started, Big Show would just get him down the ground and go slow down, slow way down. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 since Sheamus is again one of the most fascinating characters in wrestling right now. Anyway, this is a podcast about you. This isn't a podcast about them. Um, if if they want to come on, just give me a shout. <laughs> what uh, what an upgrade that would be. Go for interviewing a local Danish guy to Seamus. I can see the upgrade in that. Uh, I'd, 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 be, I'd be terrified. I'm terrified doing this, but, <laughs> but speaking to Seamus would be even worse. Um, right, so I don't know how... I keep going to this list of, of opponents and then we spin off wildly somewhere else. But uh, So we started Doug Williams, talked about your, your, your trip to the, the US. Um, there are a couple matches that you, you've been to Scotland, you have yeah. been to Scotland, uh, which I think is the first guest, well no I had Stone Malone but the first guest that, that's actually wrestled in Scotland on the Sharp Dojo series um, in Mary Hill of all places which has a reputation. Uh, what was it like coming to Scotland for the first time and, and getting to wrestle there? Once again truly a different experience because like I I have met uh, Lou in, uh, in Denmark and he always talked about how he learned so much doing these all-star camps and I was very much, I want I wanted to see if I can get on these camps. So with the help of Lou, <laughs> although I really don't now, since he is, he's coming for this, I, I'm not a big fan of him at the current moment, but it goes without saying he helped me tremendously get a spot on an all-star tour. So I did two weeks of all-star and I did a local show at Scotland as well. It, it, once again, you, you, I learned so much from, from working all-star in, in Scotland and, and in England. Um, and once again, like the audience in, in Scotland is, have seen so much more wrestling. 
So obviously they also expect something a little different. I would love, and that's definitely a goal of mine, as soon as the world opens up again, I want to go back to Scotland because I haven't been there since then. And now I'm definitely a better performer than I was those four or five years ago. So, uh, so yeah, I would definitely love to come back just to show and maybe even put looking sharp back in his place in his own country. You definitely have, have a, a, up, a I would say up and down relationship with Luke, but it seems to be all down. Uh, but an outside the ring, it's it's all up because he's able to help with all these opportunities. He's he's doesn't seem to be out of, of Denmark at times. Um, it always seems to be over there. Uh, but down in the ring, because in 2018 he he cashed in a money in the bank and beat you for the DPW heavyweight championship. Yeah. Uh, so up and down. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, it, one, like once again, it's one of those situations where like you can't blame the man for taking an opportunity because I would probably have done the same thing. Although he danced around parades that he uh, he has beaten me in a fair and square match. But if you look through, he has never beaten me in a one on one from time to for like from bell to bell. So um, yeah. Chrissy and I are completely opposite, um, and I'm sure that Lou and myself will will face each other many, many times down the line. And now he has the dojo, so I am sure if I come to Scotland and, and face him, he will have a, a small army behind him who will protect him. But if I have to gun through the entire army just to get to him, that's what I'm doing. I'll be perfectly honest. I think uh, Lou, Lou is... He's a great wrestler. He's a great, great all these things, but I don't think you'd have that many people that would stand with him. <laughs> you kind of go, yeah, on you go. You've made your bed now. You just you, you can go and sort it out. out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've, about that the DPW title then. So you started at Danks Pro. That's that's where you began. That's where you started your training. Uh, what was it like finally being able to get a hold of the top title in that company? It was kind of surreal because it was in a it was in a ladder match with the the owner and the promoter Chaos, and Chaos is just known. I know he's been to Scotland many times as well. He's just known for being a badass and like a very hardcore kind of guy. So this was his kind of match, and oh, did I feel it! I got my ass whooped. Um, but it was also just like him passing on the torch saying I know you you're still very young and there's a lot to learn but the best way for you to learn is by trying to get some responsibility on your, on your shoulder and now when and definitely in Denmark when you have the main title you're the main event so even if the show is like just decent all the way up to the main event it's on you to go out and be like we have to send the crowd home happy and you have to make sure that they come back next time. So it was it was hard, but it was very rewarding to say the least. And definitely being him passing on the title to me. What what do you find more difficult? Uh, wrestling a ladder match or a steel cage? Mm, I, I I've had most difficulties wrestling the steel cage and that's because where we have wrestled steel cages we have only done that in one venue in Denmark and the steel cage like 
is right beneath the ceiling. Like if the cage ends here, the ceiling is here. Um, so so it's like, on the cell, like, pretty much. You're in. Yeah, pretty much. There's a roof on the on the on the cage. Um, but once again, like it, it's all about being creative. So I would I would any day probably take a, a ladder match or a TLC match than a cage. Uh, however, there's just it depends on like what story you want to tell. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm I will probably lean towards uh, a ladder. Uh, as far as like winning the title, are you a belt guy? Do you find that that that's you, you said winning it makes you the main event, so it puts some pressure on you. Uh, but are you kind of like I've got the belt, this is the best thing ever, or? Some people on this podcast in general have said the belt's more just like a, a prop. It's just part of the act. What are your opinion on, on wrestling belts in general? Uh, the, the, like, it's it's all about, is it the belt who makes the guy or is it the guy who makes the belt? It, it, you're kind of stuck in between. Right now, for me, it, it's, it's not necessarily about having, like, I don't see it necessarily as a prop, but I do see it as something... I like, for instance, now I, I'm close to have held the European title for 900 days. Granted that I haven't been able to travel for a year with it, but right now my main goal is the guys that I'm meeting for the belt. I can like hopefully give something to them, some exposure. I can maybe like just this this weekend I did a match with uh, three younger guys who hadn't been in the ring uh, for that long. And they had had some matches, but went like green on green equals green. So just the fact that I could give them something. So they like, after the match, they were like, this was a completely different experience. We'd never, we knew we we loved going out and wrestling and, and perform, but we never really seen how easy we can actually do it and how much we can enjoy it. So, th- so that's how I feel about being a champ. It's not about, yay, how long can I help this? It's more about like how many guys can benefit from one guy having it. So yeah, so not so much about, you're not going to be the kind of guy that goes to the airport wearing the belt and going, I've got the belt. It's, it's more of the case of um, you've been given the ticket to provide these opportunities to give other people a chance to wrestle for a belt or or uh, give them a chance to be exposed by uh, UEWA uh, or anything like that. So don't get don't get it wrong it, like it's been a huge honor and it's a great honor and I was I I I was humbled to say the least when I won this cuz I never in a million years thought this would happen to me. But now like when I travel and like the belt is at the very bottom of my of my suitcase because like I, I I went to Romania and like as soon as I went to the airport they're like so what what's in that I was like a wrestling belt and they took it out and they like held it up high and then like yeah I'm Hulk Hogan and I just stood there very quietly next to the, the security guys and I'm like can I get it back please and just Ever since then, I just had it as far down in my luggage as I can. Yeah, <laughs> I can just, I can just imagine. I mean, even even as a non wrestling fan, as soon as someone sees, I mean, I've got a couple in my house, so uh, which I didn't win. It was actually count eBay, uh, but. <laughs> 
any non-wrestling fans who see them, the first thing they do is put it on, want to pl- like play with it, uh, grown people, because it's a bell, it's still cruel. But I think, um, I think the, the, the most common thing that I've actually heard when people like lift a championship belt is it's surprisingly heavy. It's heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, we'll get away from that for a moment and talk about the mist. So you said you, you, the mist was quite early on then if you're trying to do through this little hole in your first kind of mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there a reason? Was there anyone that you got the mist idea from? What was, what was the story behind that? Uh, originally, all I, like, you, you, I knew to Jerry. Uh, did it in the WWE and then I stumbled on uh, Heimel the wild man from Finland uh, sometimes did it but he used uh, red and then I met him in Denmark and I was like so how do you how do you use this kind of thing and, and how do you make it and and, 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 and and none and then it just it just fitted into my kind of mysterious character back in the days but then I asked Heimo how he had it in the ring, and he was like, "Yeah, I put the mist in a condom, and then I put it in my gear, and then like when it's time for me to use it, I take the condom out, I bite a hole in it, and then I suck out the mist, and then I was like, this cannot be the right way. <laughs> how do I really have to use a condom? And then ha- and Heimo was like, that's the only thing I know. Like, everything else bursts. So yeah, I have a... It, that was just how so I've done that ever since and um, I can I can tell you the most awkward story when I've ever like because I very discreetly got the mist and I had it and then I wanted to throw the condom like to the side just because I <laughs> back then I didn't think oh maybe just stick it in my in my boot so it was away and then I threw it and then it got cut on the, <laughs> on the bottom rope <laughs> and me like seeing it and just laying there knowing I have to use the mist here as soon as my opponent come up I'm like no so like rolling to the rope like hitting the rope and rolling back and just being like no no <laughs> what am I doing here <laughs> I'm an adult I'm not supposed to do this but yeah um, I bet it's a weird, weird uh, trip to the shops when you, you get your, your big box of condoms and you're thinking oh you must be getting lucky this weekend uh, well, um, maybe <laughs> someone's getting sprayed. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> but 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 the mist in general just it, it was supposed to be a healy move because it's cheating, and as a babyface you shouldn't cheat, and I know that. But it's also like the reaction you get when you do it because it's so different and it's so unique. It 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 kind of becomes a face pop when you do it which is why I have kept it in my arsenal I don't do it when I don't feel like it's not necessary for the match but when I feel it gives the right twist to a story heel or face I'll use it just because it's it's unique I, it's probably going to be a while now with the corona it's not going to be yeah. the best thing to spit someone straight in the face but um but as like it's it's something that and everyone can relate to it because you 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 know it's not venom, but you don't really see what it is and it goes so fast. So it's all about the guy who's taking it, how he sells it. 
So, so just just for anyone listening, if they've got a better idea for how to do this this mist without using a condom, give give Andrew a shout because send him because uh, I don't. I don't think he wants a, a condom. We said condom so much in this uh, draping over a bottom rope in the future, just to just to get out of the way. So speaking speaking of the uh, UWA cruiser, European Cruiserweight Championship, we'll try and get past that. Um, you went in Germany. <laughs> Once I said, I said I'm an honest person and I have nothing to hide. I have done many many different things. <laughs> <laughs> there. Uh, so uh, in Germany, you won the, the European UEWA Cruiserweight Championship in 2018, yes. and you've held it since. Um, we've got to get a question in. So we've got a question from the guys at the Pro Wrestling Journey podcast. Uh, for those unaware, the podcasts are actually like based 10 minutes up the road from me, which I never knew until recently, which is amazing. Anyway, uh, they've asked... Nitro Green is closing in on 900 days as reigning UEWA European Cruiserweight Champion. Who does the champion think is a viable contender for his prestigious title? So who do you want to face for it? Oh, there are so many guys. Um, uh, Michael Knight from Germany, the guy who I, I took the belt from. I would love to wrestle him again. He is a great guy. Uh, and I have good matches with him. Uh, it goes without saying that I know Lou is gunning for this, and I definitely want to. Um, I want to get one on Lou because he took the the DPW title from me. So I just kind of, for me personally, I I feel like, and also how determined Lou King Sharp is to just get around, and you can't deny that man's hustle. Um. So. Lou would definitely be a guy that I would love to um, to wrestle for the, the European Cruiserweight title. Also because Lou has, he's a guy that people rely on to do good matches. I know he recently came off a run from the ICW tag team title. But he still needs that single run where he can prove himself. That's not going to be on my expense, but I would love to give him the chance to to prove himself. But yeah, Michael Knight from Germany, looking Sharp from Scotland and... Mm, maybe Endercara as well could be a guy I would love to face. I'm just trying. I don't think Lou, other than the DPW title, has ever held a singles title. So yeah, I mean, if there's going to be a guy who's going to be determined to win, it'll be that. And that match is set to take place when the world opens up for Pro Two Wrestling. Uh, so a new company, uh, but the match has has been set for whenever it may be. So fingers crossed, we'll see that in the future. Um, right. And how great would it be to beat Lou Kingshore in his home country? I believe in, in his, it's like 10 minutes from his home as well. So that to me, I, and, and uh, I know, I know he, he will bring hell and high water and, and yeah, he, he, he's in for, for some match. Cause uh, last time I wrestled him, he, um, he hurt me bad. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a different Nitro Green. He's gonna see that's for sure. Um, so eventually, I'm getting to this list of names. We, we still haven't done it. We, we, we've, we've worked our way around. But um, so going through the names that you have faced, with the, like huge ones. Uh, I'm asked beforehand if you faced Carlito because there's a couple different kinds of Carlitos you faced. Yeah. So it's a former WWE guy. Um, you've already faced Matt Seidel at this point, uh, of course, Evan Bourne, which. You've spoke about at length in the Curry Hansen podcast, so I'll give him a shout so you can go check it out there. Uh, but what was it like getting into the ring with, with 
like Carlito and Chris Masters and these huge guys uh, from from uh, WWE. When I met uh, Matt Seidel, it was more about me controlling my nerves because I was very nervous. I was still very young, uh, and I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy the match as I pro- as I should. Um, because I was I was so nervous about botching and and not being capable of doing what I what I knew I could. So meeting Chris Masters and Kalito within a very short period of time, like they were very close to each other, I think within three months apart. It was it was such a great learning experience. Definitely Chris Masters, I had so much fun with him. Uh, he's an amazing worker. And an amazing guy just in general. I think now that's where Chris Masters is in his prime uh, since he left WWE. Uh, Carlito, another, like, the big thing with Carlito was he, I was surprised how big he actually is when you meet him in person. And just goes to show how small I was. Uh, so, so, once again, two great guys. Um it, to me, my biggest fear when I meet them in Denmark is like, oh, you used to wrestle in front of thousands and thousands of people. Now you come here and there's, if we're lucky, 200 people. Do you really want to put on what I'm willing to put on? And I want those two guys, I have no nothing bad to say about it. But Kalido, he also taught me that I am the big name here on this show as Kalido. And as you mentioned earlier, Randy Orton, he did attack. He came in, the roof went off, and he was like, eh, and then he went out. Carlito, he knew as soon as he lifted that apple, the crowd, they were there right away. So as you get older and as you try to work different audience, you just find out what works for me. So so the great learning experience. And I once again, I hope eventually... I, I would love to meet them again. Um, yeah, again, another guy I've, I've seen wrestle since was Carlito. Was actually, I think he was in a match with Looking Sharp. But yeah, exactly that. As soon as he lifted up the apple, he could do, he could lift up the apple five times in a match and do nothing with it, and yet it still gets a reaction. I suppose the same with the mist uh, to Giri. As soon as he did his his stance behind someone, the crowd would just get unglued. That's probably the kind of thing you're you're kind of wanting to get to, where you have that particular mist stance where everyone knows and that's what the that's what you build towards of course not just now because we don't want to uh, do fluids and spit yeah. in the face and whatnot but one day that's that's that would be the goal but, uh, but once again that's such that's how you say like a suit like because at the same time he because we we told him like you don't have to do it and he was like this is what the people want to see like you can tease it and you can tease it but how disappointing wouldn't it be like if the audience like well, he didn't. He didn't bite the apple. He didn't do the spit. He, that's Kalito. He's supposed. It's the same with Masters. Like, you can tease the master lock, but if he doesn't at least hook it once, you'd be like, all this for nothing. Absolutely. So, yeah. that's, that's so what you, you pay your money for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, go around the world. You've you've pretty much covered a, f- a fair bit of Europe already. Uh, is there any particular places that you want to, to return to? Because I know it's uh, Sweden, of course, Germany we mentioned. Um, I don't know, it's, it's not in Europe, but uh, you, you're almost wrestling in Vietnam. Um, but is there, is there any places in Europe that 
particularly you want to get to uh, when shows properly open up and return again? Um, I had bookings in Norway who fell through due to the coronas. I would love to get to Norway. And that's on my list. Uh, Spain and Italy. I would love to go to have and France and France. Uh, from my understanding, that's where wrestling is, is starting to like getting bigger. Um, so that's definitely something that I would love to be a part of. Um, UK in general, because I like I am I'm a very goal drifted person, and I know what I want for myself in the future. And now, when you're talking about like when world's coming up, I don't you um there. I know where WWE and, and everyone, like the bigger show, like companies are looking and they're not looking in Denmark, they're looking at Germany and the UK scene. So that's where I believe if I want someone of the higher ups to look at me, that's where I need to be. So WXW is definitely a place where I would love to go to because I've mainly been in the Northern Germany. So I have many, many countries on my list of where I want to go. Uh, so, but if, if I, in new countries in general, that would be Spain, Italy, and uh, France. Um, I, I hear a lot of good things about Italy in general, because of course we've got some imports. Uh, we've got Luca De Pazzi, uh, who wrestles Paxo, and, uh, and Jokey as well, Jokey Ivel, yep. um, over here. Uh, that, and I do see the Italian championship wrestling. It seems to pop up quite a lot in my timeline for, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but uh, it's it's seems to be that's kind of place. And of course, uh, NXT UK signed quite a few folk from. I think it's A Kid. He's Spanish, I think. And, uh, a Kid is Spanish, yeah. And uh, Amelie, I think. Oh, I butcher the names. I apologise, but she's from France. Uh, they just signed to their the women's division, so they are starting to branch into further Europe, not just Germany, Austria. Um, but, that's, but that's also like, you, you need that, and, and that's a goal of mine. And I, I'm not, I wasn't the first Dane to get an NXT UK tryout, and that hurted my pride tremendously because I really wanted to be that guy who reached out. And unfortunately, or good for him, Carlos Samoa got that, and I take nothing away from Carlos because he's a tremendous, tremendous athlete and tremendous wrestler. But just because he got a tryout, that doesn't mean that I can't as well. And I, that's where I have set my goal for as soon as the world comes up. I, like, that's where I want to be. I want to be that guy who, who hopefully can put not only Denmark, but Scandinavia on the map. Because WWE UK have no one from Norway, Sweden, or Denmark. I'm trying to think if they've ever had anyone. Um, I don't think they have. I know they've had tryouts for guys like Harley Rage and, and Steinbolt, who's both from Sweden. I know they had, there was a Norwegian female wrestler, uh, Kira, who had a tryout in Orlando, actually. But, and then, as I said, Carlos Samoa had the tryout for the UK brand. But that's, I think that, maybe I'm forgetting someone, but I think that that's what they've had of tryouts, but they have not officially had anyone signed. So short-term goal is to NXT UK. That's kind of like your, your building block you want to get to. Or is ready. I know what she said uh, with, with Kurt, that Asia is a, a place you want to get to. Is Japan a uh, place you want to travel to before you uh, hit it to WWE? Or is there any particular companies uh, outside of, of Europe that you want to, to get to, first of all? 
Japan, Japan would always be like an amazing thing to try. But from my understanding, it's, it's very hard as a foreigner to get bookings in Japan because they have so many people flying themselves out to Japan. Um, obviously, that shouldn't be like a stop for you if you want to make it to Japan. But Japan has, has never been something that I have had on my list of wanted to go because I've, I've always been very driven towards the WWE, even though I know I don't have the size stature that WWE normally looking for. Um, so to kind of like Lou, I want to go so many different places as I can and try as much as I can. Uh, I met uh, the promoter in Romania, who's actually a Scotsman, Tom Fulton. Tom Fulton, yeah. A great guy uh, who went to Mexico and wrestled there. Uh, so I would love actually to maybe go that way and go to Mexico. That would be something. Because even though that I don't necessarily, as we talked about earlier, can do the lucha style i definitely from what i heard from him felt like i could learn so much from being uh, in that environment and like if you have something because like uh, i forget the technical terms but there's a rulo and a uh, technical uh, rudo is it possible yeah. Yeah, and definitely, I feel like as a technical, I could I could be there because that's the baby face in in Mexico, and if you like, and you just see guys like Chris Jericho and and all these other guys who traveled all over the world, they just have long jeopardies because they find ways to always adapt to where they work. Uh, so that's something I will. So Mexico. And then WXW, and I don't know why, but WXW is just, because that's the big thing here in, in, in mainland Europe. And I, once again, I haven't been there. So that's something for Dane definitely to, to reach out to. Uh, just before we go further, uh, I, Tom Fulton, um, I've seen wrestle a few times. Uh, just to give him a shout on this podcast, he has the most mental gimmick. His, his gimmick he is, is he's amazing. I love him. I know, but his gimmick is he, I remember rightly, he is from the future and can only come back in time to wrestle a specific match. So he can't change the events of time, he can only come back in time for that match. That's the ridiculous. Future, the future shock. <laughs> What's not to love? And like, he had me come down for his promotion in Romania and I had the best time ever. Like he, and I, unfortunately I didn't get to rest. Like he was, it was an elimination match and he got eliminated very quick. So I didn't really get to touch him, but I, I would love to wrestle Tom. So Tom, if you hear this, I, I'll even put this on the line. I would love to wrestle Tom Fulton for this. There's the challenge uh, for, for the future. Yeah. Um, We'll go back to the mask for a moment because I keep seeing it flowing and it reminds me of uh, Delirious in Ring of Honor. So is there anyone, was, was he kind of an influence on your mask design? What was what went into that particular mask design? It's actually funny now when you mentioned Delirious because like when I wrestled in uh, Wisconsin where I was living when I took the year abroad, they asked me to take off the mask because they said I reminded too much of Delirious. Um, so no... Delirious, I, I knew about Delirious, but he was never an inspiration of this. I think if you look 
close to the design and when you see the face paint, I have probably more uh, of Pentagon. Uh, of course, yeah. With okay. the with the he didn't have tassels, but he had like the Japanese like a samurai thing. Who like his is his is just flops instead of tassels. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is mo- mainly because like when you do high fly spots and when like instead of the long hair, like you can you can flip all this. Uh, so it just adds more to it. It's more of a dramatic effect. Yeah, so it's like having like the tassels on your arms or something like that. Or yeah, and I have just... tassels on my on my tights as well. So it it, it just combines the the everything together. And plus, now it's so hard to have something that hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. Like, because I did I did the face paint first, and the like the first guy when I walked out of the locker room, he was like, oh. You look like Papa Shanka, and I was like, "Who?" And then the next guy was like, "Oh, I've seen this. This is someone from Mexico," and like I had four or five different names thrown at me until I was like, "I just wanted to paint myself as a skull because I just wanted to look more mysterious." I had no like I had nothing in reference back then, but like you can't do anything like quote-unquote, in wrestling now, who hasn't been done. You have to be very, very innovative if you can find something completely new. Absolutely. I mean, uh, even even this past weekend, as of recording, uh, the zombies uh, in WWE, it's been done before. It's, uh, I, it happened. Well, it actually happened in Scotland as well. They had a zombie lumberjack match. So nothing's original anymore in wrestling. You have to try and find it. Uh, just just to, to mention it, like I did the crawl, Back in the days, uh, and then Finn Balor had he he had done it in Japan and he had done it in, in ICW and in Scotland where in the past when he was the Demon King, but we had never seen it in WWE, and I did it in Denmark. And then if I say three months after, you saw the Demon King come in WWE and he did the Spider Man crawl, and I was like, what? <laughs> I thought I came up with something because I hadn't seen. Finn Balor does all that in Japan, and then I see him doing it in WWE. I'm like, really? And I, there's no way I can take credit for that because, like, you just did it in front of 10 million people. I, mean, I did it in before, front of 50. Even before then, you had the Boogeyman, and you had uh, Papa Shango. You had there's yeah, there's yeah, no originality. Uh, no, wrestling. it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> just, I'm just imagine you just sit here, good. Um, you mentioned Eddie Guerrero earlier, and that, that was a name that I'm very curious about because you didn't start watching until 2012. And of course, Eddie passed away in 2005. So that's a big gap between his passing and you getting into him. Um, was there anything particular you went back to watch? Was it DCW stuff, WCW, or was it just the WWE run? Uh, what was it about Eddie Guerrero that kind of got your eyes on him? Um. The first match I actually saw with Eddie was Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Halloween Havoc, 97. Okay, good one to start with. Best match. Still one of my all-time favorites. Um, I, mainly what I have seen like was his WWE run with his uh, Lion Chief and Steel. That was what I, what like caught me like first and foremost. And then I actually got hooked to that you start to realize, well, how, how was he back in the days? And in in ICW and WCW, he was he was more 
just a good technical wrestler who could do so many moves and so many maneuvers and he could do it so smoothly. Now, when you saw like what I saw with him in the WWE, it was just that, that smirk he could get on his face, you know, when he lied, he cheat, he steal. And the famous chair uh, ref bump that everyone has done ever since in the past where you smack the chair, you throw it to the opponent. He did it with Kennedy. The belt where he faked it with uh, Matt Hardy. His amazing feud with JBL for the WWE title. There's just so many good, good things where Eddie just told the story. Even if you go back, like something so strange as the custody of Dominic who makes no sense whatsoever, but just the intensity in his eyes, his promos. I like even like, cause I, I really like, that's something that I want to get better at is doing promos. And like you hear Eddie talk and he talks in English and then he cuts to Spanish and he goes back to English. And you just feel like, even though he's talking to a microphone, it just seems like, he is so intense and that he was talking to himself. He didn't, he could have done that in front of no people and the intensity would still have felt the same. And that to me is how you feel like it's an organic promo. And I have tried it to be like something in English and then go into Danish and then back. It just doesn't have the same cool sound. Like I, I like for me, the most iconic thing was like he, He's, he, he just yanked the mask off Rey Mysterio, suplexed him on the steel steps. Next week, he does the promo on SmackDown. He sits on the chair. He has his big coat on, and he does something, something, something in the jacket, pulls out the mask, and just screams at it in Spanish. And you can just see how everything on him is shaking. That, to me, right there, it's when you just instantly you connect with him because you're like he feels it so i feel it too um that was yeah i've i've, I've I often miss eddie guerrero but just hearing you speak about how passionately he got to you we were just like oh man i was just i mean it's 2021 he would probably have been wrestling at this point but just to have him in wrestling he, would just be he was like I, from what you hear now, how how much people like respect Pat Patterson and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Like, I have never seen much of them, but I can only imagine if Eddie would still have been alive, what a huge asset he would have been to the business today, on how much he could have taught this generation that we see now, and how much he have already from heaven above have taught us now, because like. How many people hasn't done the frog splash, pointed up, and then tried to do it? Like, yeah, and it's there. It's never right. Like, it's 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 good, but it's not Eddie's. That's just no. That's there, the there was just and like I I have read the book. I have seen the documentary. Like, and the more the more you see, the more you read, the more you hear, the more you just get hooked to it. Like, and his story of how he de- defeated his demons and how he lost everything, how just to gain it back. It's a fairy tale story who ended way too soon and, and way too horrible to even imagine that it's real. But yeah, an amazing wrestler. And I would have loved to see him still around because like from, from what I've heard and what I can only imagine and what Vince McMahon said himself, he was in a prime. He could have done so much more. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, it's 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 very small small fry and the whole day, dream of things. But the first time <clears throat> I'm getting choked up about Eddie Guerrero here. Uh, yeah. but the first first WWE show I went to was 2006, so it was the year after he passed away. Uh, the first one my friend went to was the year before, and he got to see Eddie wrestle. And I have never hated one of my friends so much. So <laughs> just because he got to see Eddie, it was just I got to see Jeff Hardy. That was cool because he's my favorite ever, but. Seeing Eddie live would have just been a whole other level. Right, let's pick this up a little bit because we're a bit deep and a bit all that. I'll ask you to my two stupid questions I ask everyone um, because they're just ridiculous questions. <clears throat> the first one is, what's your favourite dinosaur? I'm not that big into dinosaurs, actually, so I have to be, I have to be very genetic and just say a T-Rex because I've always been a big fan of the small arms. <laughs> I've had a bad streak because the last guest I spoke to for our future podcast, Aspen Faith, he said the same. He doesn't like dinosaurs. I'm like, how? <laughs> it's anyway. not that I don't like dinosaurs. It just never caught my interest. So, yeah, I have to be taking the very, very boring answer and say I'm going for the one with the small arms. So the That's T-Rex. fair. That's fair. And the other one is even more ridiculous. What would win a fight? Two sheep or one cow? Two sheep. I don't, I don't I don't want to know anymore because that's the answer I pick and people try to over explain cows I'm like no, no two sheep numbers uh right so right now this was set up of course through the looking sharp online dojo um there's been a lot of seminars I've only I've, I've only attended the one with Krieger about tag team wrestling which I found way more fascinating than I ever thought I would have when I went into it because I don't wrestle I'm just a watcher um, that sounded creepy but I'm just the one who watches wrestling um, what have you been finding from the, the online dojo I mean you've had you've had Oscilia uh, Del, Del Renta you've had uh, um, Kai Katana I, Doug Williams who just said earlier um, what have you been finding what have you found bits taken away from, from each course that he's got on um my, the, the big thing I've taken away from, from all these, uh, first and foremost, I just want to say it's an amazing thing that we can do this now. Uh, even with the world being shut down, you can still get this knowledge from, from these guys, all of them who has made it in some capacity. Um, I'm not the big of a IT and technical guy. Um, so what I'm hearing and what I'm taking away from it is that the social media and how you just have to reach out to all these different promotions. That's the, that's how you do it nowadays where like I have been trained in Denmark where the guy who trained me has been very much like, don't send out your resume. Don't quote unquote big for a, a booking. If you're good enough, they will find you. But where you also now have to realize, for instance, like if I want to go to the UK there are thousands of workers in the UK. How will they find me if I don't try to branch out and reach out? So that's what I've taken away from it. Even a guy like Doug Williams, he said it, that send your resume out, send your CV, get, get everything you can out on your social media platforms. Um, and what else? I, I prefer the old school uh, physical or seminars, just so you can actually physically try how to, to do stuff. But in general, what I take away from this is that the social media is going to be the new phone of the modern era. This is what's going to help every wrestler 
to get like obviously you need to have the fundamentals down like you have to be in great shape you have to be cardio wise with which actually helped me boost my confidence a little bit from doug williams because doc he's he, he said well you can always be a 300 pound jacked up guy and that's fine but if you blow up after five minutes you can't really wrestle but if you can wrestle half an hour and still be fine well then you have something to build on so that i think that's what i'm taking away from the dojos and now here within a month or so we have hector guerrero coming on which is something that i am very much looking forward to because he hasn't wrestled in such a long time but he still has so much knowledge and i believe that what he can take that he learned back in the days if you can take that and incorporate that into the modern style that we do now you can learn so much from it because people almost seem to have forgotten that he was a guy i mean my only experience with hector guerrero really other than gobbledygooker which we don't we don't speak about but uh is his run in tna and of course he wasn't wrestling or he may have had one kind of a match kind of thing uh but he had these facial expressions that I mean, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people would probably go in, oh, that reminds him of Eddie, because, of course, they were brothers. So there's there's similarity there. But he was able to do so much with so little. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that's going to be the way to go um, for that. But, yeah, uh, we, we spoke earlier about, about Lou being a guy that, that hustles the, the guests that he's got. It's just insane that he's Mickey Whipwreck and, uh, and all these other names, I'm sure, that... I'm sure he's finally going to get, I don't know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, The Rock. You, you never know. Well, the, I don't know if you saw on April 1st, he did the, that, that he posted a picture of Hulk Hogan saying that, oh, this is going to be amazing and we have Hulk Hogan coming on. Like, can you imagine? Because eventually, as, as, as I, ta I talked with Lou about it, this is something that allows us to have get knowledge from the big names in the States, in Mexico and Japan, who doesn't come here anymore. Cause like, uh, just incredible was on as well. Yeah. He could sit in his living room. He doesn't have like, and everyone benefits from it. And so eventually maybe if this, like this grows big enough, I'm not saying Hulk Hogan, I'm not saying Stone Cold, but like, as a, 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 a still relatively relevant name, he'll be like, there's 400 kids in Europe. I, I, did Chris say, like Lou said, there was like 15 countries of students in his dojo. How cool would it be to be like, okay, I'm sitting in New York, for instance, I have 400 youngsters who just want to learn about a sport that we all love. And you've got guys like, uh, I mean, it's a very controversial figure, but Jim Cornette, who doesn't like to fly. He doesn't doesn't fly. But he's a guy that, I mean, feasibly, you could have on and just speak over Zoom and, and be able to, to teach you so much. Whether you whether it's right or wrong, that's neither here nor there. But uh, he's a kind of guy that doesn't fly, so you wouldn't get him doing seminars in the UK or Europe. But this would be the way to do it. Well, that's the big thing with wrestling. What's right and what's wrong? Because, like, there's no particular, like, 
for instance, like if you hear there's so many people who love Will Ospreay, but there's just as many people who hate Will Ospreay because his style is kind of reckless on his own body, but he's the main guy in New Japan. Yeah. But yeah, wrestling is it's such a weird thing. There's no right answer. That's pretty much the, the end of it. So it's an art form, and art is expressed in different ways. Beautiful way to put it. Um, so is there anyone maybe that you'd want to, to see if you can get a hold of, outside, of course, Hulk Hogan, uh, still close to Austin Rock. Uh, is there any, anyone that you think you would definitely like to, to sit under the learning tree of that in, in the dojo, possibly in the future? <sighs> there is a lot of names. Who wouldn't love to just, like, hear Triple H's mind from the business? Um, but if it had to be a realistic and unattainable goal, actually, I, I think as someone I know they they work with the WWE, but uh, William Regal and uh, Robbie Brookside. Oh yeah, yeah. And those for me would just be like because they there's so many guys who knows what you need to bring to make it to the big leagues. But William Regal and Robbie Brookside, who has seen everything. William Regal, been on multiple WrestleManias, wrestled all over the world. How much must he have been able, like of knowledge to take in all over the years? Um, and then I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Chris Jericho. I know he's 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 probably not doing like, but he does his own podcasts and like a, a world traveled wrestler all over the world. Like, how much couldn't you learn from from hearing from him? And that's where the big issue is. Like an hour, like you get so much, so much of what they have of knowledge. Okay, maybe just one piece to that puzzle of, yeah. of your own wrestling career. Uh, so before we wrap up, because if, if anyone wants to get a guest, I'm going to I'm going to throw your name and get because this has been a, a lovely chat. For, for I have had an hour. amazing time, and once again, we have talked an hour and a half, and I feel like we could talk multiple that's, that's hours. Uh, it's been so much fun. I'm trying to to not wrap up, but just trying to to fit my last few notes in here as we go. Um, of course, you wrestle with the mask as well. That's why we were saying at the start for anyone listening. That's why I was asking about wrestling without the mask and with it, the difference uh, in a tag team. Um, I've got the name written down, but it's probably not pronounced how it's spelled. So, uh, <laughs> talk about your tag team. They have a body. Yeah. My uh, the tag team I wrestle in without a mask is called Anas Pena. On uh, English, when the commentators pronounce it, it's called uh, Randers Pain. That's why I've got and it. The down. Reason, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason why it's called Ganas Pena is because uh, in in my hometown, uh, we're famously known for drinking uh, some s sort of hard cider, who's called, uh, or maybe like uh, it's called Mokai. So it's just a bubbling cider, but it's, it's very stereotypically on the hometown that I'm from, uh, which is Randers. Uh, so it's and it's just like the gimmick is with me and my real life cousin uh, who just portrays these two party guys 
who's from Randers, who likes to have a good time. We we do the the base arm, we do the daps, and we just like we all over the place, and we're just super hyped. And once again, with wrestling being such a different kind of art form, we were told to be heels. We went out, we did the first match, we were heel. They were like, uh, heel, heel. Second match, we came out, we were in Copenhagen, who normally, like, if you're not from Copenhagen, people were like, boo. They introduced us from Randers. We came out, we had the wine coolers, we did the shake. The wine coolers bursted all over the audience, and, like, we get in the ring, 400 people is just chanting, ah, nuts, ah, nuts. And we're like, we look at each other, and we're like, heel? <laughs> heel? <laughs> And then we came back and they were like, yeah, no, you guys are going to be baby faces from now on. And so this, it's once again, like the more organic wrestling can be, the better. And ever since then, we just ran with 100 miles an hour. And now we're, we're tag team champions in, in that promotion as, as honest Pena. That, that's the thing. I mean, I, it's like they haven't learned because right now, Session Moth Martina uh, in some respect, the Street Profits, uh, Ravy Davy in Scotland, back in the day, Bucky Boys. Yeah. Do just a couple of uh, uh, gymnasties in, in OTT as well. But uh, just a, a couple guys, girls coming out, just having a good time and boozing up. That's popular. That's universal. You, you can. <laughs> and that was like, we talked with them afterwards. Like, you do know this gimmick, it was, it was, doomed to fail if you wanted us to be heels because we're two young guys like just going out having fun we're not doing nothing wrong like we we're not stumbling and like breaking glasses we're just we're shaking alcohol drinking it and making like pop like champagne what's not to love and like even like i've you mentioned the bucky boys like I, i'm a big fan of stevie boy myself because like he's just an amazing wrestler but how can you not love that? And like the ICW audience, he sits in the in the corner, he lifts the bottle, and like everyone, it's just we we do this in 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 Denmark as well. Like as soon as you lift the glass or the bottle, everyone in the front row with a beer, like yay! It, as you said, it's universal. Everyone everyone can relate to that. I mean, it's not like you're you're going out uh, dressed as a, as a vicar and getting uh, cursed at by a, a woman in the crowd. Eh? Nah, nah. <laughs> which has happened to you. <laughs> I have a, I have tried many different things. Yeah, let's just say it like that. Uh, again, another story that you'll you'll hear a full. I don't want to to take any listeners away from Kurt. So go listen to Kurt Johansson's one uh, podcast because it's when I heard that story, I was just like, okay, that's that's crazy. But like you're saying, the, the I know, like I know, Kurt, Kurt, he definitely. Kurt definitely said that, like, whenever he comes to to a show where he's kind of where we are going to be booked on, he was like, "Don't do this on yourself. Like, go out to me, do the shake, and then pour the the, the wine coolers on me." And I was like, "That's that's a deal. Like, whether we make it to the UK and or not." And and recently we tried to reach out to the King of the North and to see like if we could. Like, once again, like, wrestling is such a, a strange thing. If you want to make a name for yourself, you might as well go after the biggest dogs in the yard. And, and King of the North are one of the biggest dogs in the tag team yard. Absolutely. Right. Uh, yeah, so I've kept for an hour and a half, so we'll wrap up now. Where can people find you on social media? 
Nitro Green on uh, Facebook. That's uh, where you find the Facebook page. On Twitter as well, Nitro Green. Uh, Anas Peña, you can find as well on Twitter. Uh, Anas Peña and uh, Anas Peña on Facebook. And on my Instagram, I actually use my my real name, so I'd rather not put that out there here. Yeah, but that's uh, fine. But, uh, yeah, those are the two social medias where I'm mostly active on. Excellent. Well, I've had an absolute fascinating chat. Like, like I say, we could probably speak for another hour easily. Uh, but I'll leave it to the rest of your evening. But, again, thank you very much for joining me today. Once again, thank you for having me.